Chapter 1. Summary and Key Points The story gets started in a dining room at Hotel Wessex in Vermont. It was 1936 and the mood was somber, as America had been in a several years long depression. The featured speakers of the night were Brigadier General Herbert Y. Edgeways, who spoke on the defense idea, millions for arms but not one cent for tribute, and Mrs. Adeline Tar Gimmich, renowned for her work on the suffrage campaign of 1919. General Edgeways held the room's attention with his powerful address on the state of the United States and its foreign policy. He suggests that our only relationship to Europe is teaching their masses the type of class only found in the United States, and how they now live in a world where they must arm themselves not for war but for peace. Mrs. Gimmich's speech was the highlight of the night. She was famous for her willingness to be a mother to any and every serviceman fighting the Great War, and was a famous member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. As Gimmich spoke, she talked about respect, discipline, and selflessness. She even chided that women should do their best to go home and have six children, since this is their duty to their husbands. In a loud fit, she turns to the general that had spoken on peace and scolded him, and mocked the shiftless evildoers and stated that what this country needs is a war. Peace doesn't get men to act like men. This country would be better if it could enter another war. Lorinda Pike had taken lots of exception to these speeches and was hushed down quickly, saying she was not an invited speaker to the event. In that moment, Dora Miss Jessup stood and quipped a quick mockery of the speakers, sarcastically explaining to Pike that she should thank these two for allowing her class to understand what the upper class desired to do. Key Points General Edgeways' greatest hope is for America to be left alone, and he rationalizes that this can only transpire by America beefing up its arms in an effort to maintain peace and protect our great shores. Chapter 2 Summary and Key Points As Jessup and his wife drove home from the meeting in Little Fort Beulah, Vermont, he began pondering the preposterous notion that perhaps the General and Mrs. Gimmich were correct, and that we would soon be in a war with a country we would never want to invade. Francis Tasbro is the chief owner of a granite quarry just outside of Fort Beulah. He lived in Pleasant Hill, just beyond Jessup's house. They were friends, and they met in Tasbro's private barroom after the Rotarian dinner of that night. Together they met with Metary Cole the miller, Emil Straubmeyer, R.C. Crowley, and Reverend Mr. Falk, as they discussed the events of the meeting and what to do with the speeches. Tasbro confronts Jessup and calls him a liberal that needs to step up. He tells him that he must come in from chasing the crazy ideas of the liberal movement and start working together with the other men in the room. Tasbro has a fear that labor racketeers were taking over the business side of the country and would soon tell these captains of industry how to run their business. When the war that General Edgeway spoke of comes into existence, it is to be sure that these racketeers will not fight with us, so we must take control now. Jessup agrees that these are serious times, and mentions having Senator Windrup to run for president. Key Points As Jessup pondered these horrors of the speakers being right, he began to softly curse under his breath at the young PhDs that were working on new ways to mess with the atom. Chapter 3 Summary and Key Points Jessup graduated from Isaiah College a few years back and had tried his hand working in the larger cities before taking his inheritance and purchasing the Weekly Informer, now a daily. He received a letter from a teacher at Isaiah College named Victor Loveland. 
Loveland was concerned about the amount of war prep that his lovely college had been undertaking. The prep for war alarmed Loveland, but just that morning he wrote this note he received word that any student or faculty that would speak ill of the war preparation would be fired immediately, and the person that would bring the criticism to light would receive credits toward their degree. Key points. The Isaiah College students didn't mind preparing for a war that didn't seem to be on the horizon. They were just ready to show how strong and manly they could be. Loveland felt that this letter was bringing America closer to fascism, and that must be stopped. Chapter 4. Summary and Key Points Six weeks remained until the 1936 National Conventions. At this moment, it was unlikely that Franklin Roosevelt or Herbert Hoover would receive bids. Instead, the likely standard bearers would be Senator Walt Trowbridge and Berzelius Windrip.